Tonight's story contains elements of horror, such as violence, gore, and frightening imagery. If this is something you'd rather avoid, please skip this episode and come back another day for another story. Hello, and welcome to Dinner at Yifni's with your host, Takem Ironhoof. We hope that you enjoyed our first Halloween special episode. However, we've decided that one just wasn't enough. Sometimes you just need more. Sometimes you can't carry on until everything is just right. As such, we now present for your consideration The Perfect Moment by Kalima. Great beauty had always driven the world at large to far greater exploits than any other documented force. The desire to be beautiful, to be desired, drove the sciences to expand and create far more than any other cause. Wars were raged over beauty. Empires fell because of beauty. It was just the way of things, and likely always would be. As such, it was no great surprise that word of the arrival of a stunning young mare, no doubt the most lovely to ever step foot within the colonies, spread fast as wildfire. While gossip should have been about festive fall parties and celebrations over cider, the season's charm seemed to pale in comparison to the ravishing Palomino beauty. It became near universal knowledge that Eleanor Silverton, was not only incredibly beautiful, but well-educated and came with a significant dowry, the likes of which belonged in London or even Boston, where her prospect for marriage would likely have included royalty. Instead, she had settled in Salem and set society ablaze. It was no wonder that she immediately caught the eye of the villager's most eligible bachelor, Mr. Alan Revere. Revere's family was suitably affluent, composed of businessmen ranging from silversmiths to the owners of the largest printing press in the New World. Not unlike the build of the Revere men, their ties to Boston and New Amsterdam were undeniably thick and strong. They wanted for nothing, had everything, and easily obtained that which previously eluded them. Women, education, property, good looks, All of it came without struggle to the Revere's. Eleanor's hand in marriage would be no different insofar as it came to its ease of being obtained. They were made for one another. Where the young white-tailed buck was truly a robust and downright burly creature, Eleanor was delicate and petite. Where he was dark of complexion, with eyes of the most magnificent emerald, Eleanor's mane was pale as parchment, and her eyes the hue of cornflowers. Perfect in every way, they stood together, truly unparalleled. A god and goddess among plebeians. From the first time he first made his overtures, all of New England knew it would be mere days before they announced their betrothal, and pending nuptials. 
That night at dinner, it was all Eleanor could do not to come completely out of her skin from the excitement budding from her wildly beating heart. Eating was nearly impossible. Each bite punctuated with furtive glances at the bug she just knew would make her life complete. She so hoped his meal was suitable. Liver was so dreadfully difficult to come by in the new world and ever more rare was the ability to find it cooked to perfection. He was worth the trouble. After all, the entire evening was meant to be the most special of their lives, at least up to that point, and that sort of fancy was far from insignificant. It must be celebrated by all. While Eleanor could not have invited every soul in the colonies, she was happy to resign to hosting dinner for their closest family members. In the far seat sat a portly possum, a man of the cloth. Father McTavish's presence at the table was almost overshadowed by the way his dark robes blended with the polished wood. To his right, her beloved Buck's mother, later Revere, perched lightly upon her chair. There was little doubt that the beautiful and stately doe's bright green gown had been chosen and made specifically and only for this most cherished of events. She was truly the picture of elegance. The silvered ringlets of her magnificent hair pinned carefully about her head and held in place with glittering pins made of abalone. Across from the good priest sat Eleanor's own lovely widowed father, and beside him, across from Lady Revere, her darling young sister, Abigail. The dear child was barely a teenager, not yet ready to be presented to society as an eligible lady. But there, sitting across from Eleanor herself, was the man of the hour. It would have been a true impossibility for a buck such as Mr. Revere to escape the idolization and the attentions of all even under the most mundane of circumstances. In this environment of dark lacquered wood and hushed walls decorated with priceless wares nestled across shells, he stood out champion among the prized elements of the room. At least to Eleanor. His dark hair and beautiful eyes shone brightly in the candlelight. It cast a most ethereal glow about the devastatingly handsome buck, and Eleanor could have sworn her heart skipped a beat each and every time she gazed across the table at him. A smile quickly danced across Eleanor's lips, and the young mare sat tall in her seat, allowing her fork to still long enough for her to speak. I truly must extend a debt of gratitude to you all for joining us on this marvellous and magical evening. She began. My father's dear Lady Merriweather sends her warmest regards and regrets for missing dinner. But I have it on good word that she will most definitely be joining us for dessert. Eleanor flashed Mr. Revere the brightest and kindest of smiles. The buck's lips quivered hesitantly, but he returned her smile with one of his own. The young mare blushed red as a poppy with the knowledge that she, a lady so delicate, had rendered the esteemed man shy and meek. The buck's mouth twisted as he glanced to his hands and then finally spoke to break the uneasy silence. It was a significant change to the overwhelming ticking of the grandfather clock standing in one of the corners. I can assure you that the pleasure is ours. 
It is an honor to be here, Lady Silverhand. Oh, how nervous he must have been to not only be so downright bashful, but to make such a careless mistake with her name. Silverton, he admonished himself. Silverton. I trust you are all in agreement with Mr. Revere and are justly enjoying dinner? Quite, said the pewter-haired Lady Revere. It was a polite answer as she pushed a piece of liver about her plate with her fork. She'd hardly taken a bite. Offering a small smile, Father McTavish nodded, Of course. The robed possum finally spoke from around a sip of Cabernet. Cabernet was Eleanor's favorite wine. To her, it was a true delight that the liquid matched the hue of blood. Both were a sign of life, and life was divine. Tonight, the choice made perfect sense in the pretty Palomino's mind. There were two bloodlines uniting, becoming one. The rich garnet of the Cabernet was a perfect signatory of such a union and it paired effortlessly with the liver. Perfect. It was the word of the night. Everything just had to be perfect. Beaming ever more brightly and practically aglow with pride and joy, Eleanor quickly turned to the buckskin filly beside her. My dearest sister was absolutely besotted with excitement for this evening. She gushed. Weren't you, Amelia? The filly blinked up at her sister. Her eyes had always been far older than her years, going so far as to show the deep lines of a mare easily three times her age. Eleanor had explained her features away as being nothing more than an unfortunate effect of her long and deeply troubling battle with childhood sickness. It was why she'd been dressed in the softest of pastels and the largest of bows, reminding the members of their dinner party of the filly's true age. I... The filly's voice caught as she tried, desperately to stop her voice from shaking. No doubt another result of her sickly childhood. I thought you said my name was Abigail. Eleanor took the child's hand in her own appealing to her most gentle nature as she prepared to correct her. Yes, and that's what I addressed you as, Abigail. She smiled softly before turning briefly to her guest. Brain fog. It leads her to make some of the most bizarre statements. <laughs> Chuckling, she shrugged and squeezed her sister's hand tighter. Abigail gasped. You're hurting me. In response, Eleanor's eyebrow rose high, and she snaked her head towards the girl. In return, Abigail shrunk away and managed a watery smile. Sister, I apologize. If you could release my hand, I should enjoy finishing my meal. It took a beat longer with Eleanor, obviously considering several options, before she finally nodded and released the filly's hand. There would be no denying the beads of blood that welled up and filled several perfect half-moons where Eleanor's nails had sullied her sister's hand. You'll have to excuse Abigail. <laughs> the mayor laughed airily once again, turning back to her guest. We all know how silly and defiant young ladies can be. 
She breathed with a gentle shrug and a flippant gesture in the direction of her father. His plate sat full, the meal cold and untouched. It would seem my dear father is saving his appetite for dessert. He's been quite distant ever since mother was taken by the Lord. A sip of wine stole her voice, but it didn't last long. Lady Merriweather has been a real lamb and has helped him immensely. <laughs> she chuckled at her own joke, made at the absent ewe's expense. Eleanor's brows knit when her guest didn't return her humor, and patiently avoided looking in the direction she had gestured to. Of course, her father had always looked gaunt and sickly, likely being the genetic reason why Abigail had such a predisposition for illness. His cheeks were sallow, sunken in, and hollow. And the way he sat so stiffly in his seat, one may easily have accused him of being... Eleanor blinked several times in silence. It wasn't a fair comparison to make, nor would it have been especially ladylike to voice how the geriatric stallion appeared to be far better suited for a grave than a dinner with esteemed members of society. Nor was it fair to make mention of his thousand-yard stare, or how his eyes had begun to decompose within their sockets or the fetid ooze that wept over his crusted eyelids and had slowly begun to mar his pallid cheeks. It would have been downright cruel to poke and prod at the horse. He had already suffered endlessly and given so much for their meal. Besides, dinner had to be nothing short of perfect. It would be nothing short of perfect. Nothing would occur that deviated from Eleanor's plans, and everyone would have the grandest of times, because they would do everything they were supposed to do, including discontinuing their use of the wrong silverware. The mare's smile stretched across her pretty face as she looked to the priestly possum. Father McTavish! She nearly sang his name. Would you be a love and explain why you chose a fish knife to butter your bread? Her lashes bad as she rested her chin on her hands. In short turn, as if startled, the possum released the offending utensil at once. It clattered loudly against a pretty blue and white china plate before unceremoniously landing on the wood floor with a distinct thud. I... I apologize, miss. McTavish's eyes went anywhere but towards the mare. Finally, they settled, like his hands, into his lap. E every other one was on the cards, but you didn't say which knife was meant for the bread and butter. Her smile nearly broke. I assumed that would be common sense, father. Wouldn't you agree, Mr. Revere? Certainly everyone knows that a butter knife is meant for buttering bread. The buck was silent. Instead, he was too focused on his own plate and the nearly untouched liver cooling upon it. She couldn't see his eyes for the way his hair hung in it. The position of his head only served to highlight the way the rich chestnut brown she had always desired in a suitor, faded into less 
than desirable ginger red at its roots. It wasn't supposed to fade that quickly. The woman at the shop had sworn the dye was permanent. When Revere finally did look back up, his eyes failed to meet Eleanor's, even though he was well aware she was staring daggers in his direction. His glistening emerald orbs locked onto the aged hazel of Abigail's, and for a beat, they were connected. Eleanor certainly noticed, as they seemed to exchange silent words between them, and when her own eyes darted to Abigail's, she could see the filly's eyes were ringed with white, wide with fright and anxiety. That was less than perfect. Abigail! She hissed between her teeth, once more taking up the filly's hand. It is impolite to stare. Mr. Revere will begin to get the wrong impression, and we absolutely do not want that. This time, Abigail was frozen. She simply sat there with her hand locked in the cruel embrace of her sisters, barely even flinching when Eleanor's nails sought, found, and dug into the bloodied place they had previously occupied. She did, however, remove her eyes from the buck's grim face. <laughs> I am most assured that Abigail meant nothing by it. Mr. Revere answered with a nervous sort of laugh. It only served to make Eleanor's nails dig in deeper. This time, Abigail bit her lower lip to keep from sobbing. With a delicate and indignant little sniff, Eleanor's nose went into the air. It is unbecoming of you to encourage such behavior, Mr. Revere. She is a young girl. You will give her impure thoughts. He nodded in what could have been taken as agreement. This I am aware of, Lady Silverton. He was quickly cut off by the way the Palomino mare jerked her free hand towards the buckskin filly's face, directing the attention of the entire table towards her sister's rigid form. She is hardly of sound mind, nor is she the point of interest of this meal. She explained. Abigail's eyes remained locked on her dinner plate as tears began to well within them. Do you understand this, sister? Her fingers clenched, digging her nails even deeper into the filly's flesh as she struggled to keep her ladylike composure, but Abigail never answered. Mr. Revere is not your love interest. You do not have a love interest because I didn't plan one for you. You are to be my sweet, sickly sister. You are nothing more than a side character barely worthy of note for anything more than pity, and Mr. Revere is mine. Abigail's tears finally fell, landing silently against the pink silk of her gown. Her mouth worked over words that were muffled by unreleased sobs, silent as her tears, while her head slowly began to shake and her shoulders hunched. Speak up, child! Eleanor insisted with a shake of her sister's captured hand. The way Abigail's gaze snapped up to meet hers admittedly made the Palomino mare startle in her seat and immediately end her vexed admonishments. While it was far from something vicious, 
It was unsettling, giving the older sister pause until she remembered that young ladies often use their tears to take their advantage. I said, Abigail sniffled, please let me go. Her voice was nothing more than a whisper, and Eleanor presumed that was precisely the words she had used before she had been demanded to speak up. Please, I beg of you. You really must discontinue this stupidity, sister. I should have you committed. Eleanor droned in displeasure, reaching for her glass of wine with her free hand. Abigail, however, certainly didn't do as she was asked. Please, I... I have a daughter. She's only twelve. I just... I just... Please just let me call her. Abigail was nearly in hysterics now. Please let me tell her that I'm okay. She's... She's probably worried sick. I'm just... I'm always home for her by dinner. As quickly as her hand had been taken, Abigail's hand was released. It was wet with nervous sweat and cold. The sight of the sobbing ma Philly was absolutely disgusting and ruinous. The sounds coming from the pathetic creature, sniffles, choked sobs, wheezes. Eleanor wanted nothing more than to shove a fork down her miserable throat to make it stop. It would only be a split second later that she'd come to realize that Abigail wasn't the only one guilty of such infernal noises. The Palomino's head twisted to the side, rolling her bright blue eyes in the direction of the noise. Both Lady Revere and Father McTavish were suitably distraught, shaking and beside themselves. Lady Revere, however, was positively coming unglued. Everyone, aside from her father, jumped when Eleanor slammed her fist against the table. Why? Why must you all ruin this? Mr. Revere's eyes went wide. Being honest, all of their eyes were wide and their hearts were practically beating out of their chest as they watched their hostess swallow the knot that had been forming in her throat, tucked away an errant snowy curl of mane, and straightened herself out. Allow me to apologize, she said in a far calmer voice, once more calling upon her ladylike etiquette to resume her graceful poise of earlier. After all, she was the finest of ladies. She was perfect. I should not have lost my temper. It was truly unbecoming, and I blame it, it heavily on the stress of losing dear mother. Eleanor offered with a saintly smile. Father McTavish, should you perhaps like to retrieve your knife? The possum's crinkled face only screwed itself up further in sheer distress and dismay as he stared down at the utensil at his feet. I cannot reach it, miss, he said quietly and flinched when the mare huffed. Her chair scooted back across the wooden floor hastily, heralded by a horribly unpleasant sound. No apology came from her as she stood. They weren't worthy of it. She did, however, straighten her gown and made perfectly sure that it was all in place and perfect 
before she made her way to the possum's side. As she knelt down to retrieve the knife, she spoke. Not a worry at all, father. She smiled up at him, placing the blade back upon the table. Seeing as I'm already here, allow me to be sure you're still all set. The mare disappeared partially beneath the table as she kneeled and leant forward to visually examine the rope that bound the possum's waist to his chair. A quick tug on the rope told her it wasn't suitably tight enough. The knot threatening to come undone. It simply wouldn't do. With a rather unladylike little grunt, she pulled his binds taut with determined little hands and secured them back just the way she liked them. Perfect. There you go, father. All set. She crooned as she patted his shoulder. You do understand just how important it is that this dinner goes according to plan, don't you? He would never be given the chance to answer. Every single time. Always someone that could never seem to just do what they were told. You stop. You get away from us and let us be. There was no surprise to be found in Eleanor's face, only annoyance. She watched as Lady Revere jumped away from her seat. The ropes that had once held her bound fell to the floor, frayed and worthless. The chair clattered backwards, nearly shattering the glass of a rather lovely china cabinet, but it did little to sway the Palomino or the Doe's attention. While the doe backed away quickly, holding a knife in front of her, the incessant beeping of a Cell phones aren't historically accurate! Eleanor shrilled. That's why I took them away from you! Why the hell were they always so intent on screwing this up? All Eleanor wanted was one damned meal where everything went according to plan and she got her happy ever after. It didn't matter who filled the rolls, they all kept fucking ruining everything! Lady Revere refused to even acknowledge the statement, the rude bitch, and just continued with her pithy escape plan, still holding the knife in front of her. Hello? She cried into the phone. My name is Elizabeth Mortensen. I'm being held at the Greenbrier Ca The doe's incessant fear-filled screeching ceased the moment the bang sounded. Her eyes widened momentarily, and her hands slowly released both the knife and the phone they had been holding. The devices hit the ground at about the same time, bright blood beginning to seep from a hole between the doe's beautiful, lifeless eyes. No one else so much as flinched at the sound of the gunshot. They were all too busy holding their breath and praying to whatever gods they held holy that they weren't next. The pistol wasn't quite the correct year or the correct make, but a lady of her earnest reputation and gentleness certainly had to be provided protection, or so Eleanor had told herself when she obtained it. Lady Revere had threatened her safety and ruined her plans for the evening. It was only right that Eleanor had done what was needed to protect herself 
and maybe seek revenge for what the doe had done to her plans. The bitch should have expected the bullet that sent her to the floor in a crumpled heap of beautiful green satin. Closing the space between them, Eleanor came to rest beside Lady Revere, doing her best not to allow the doe's blood to soil her perfectly polished hooves. She could hear the surprisingly calm voice of the emergency dispatch on the other end of the line, asking if everything was alright, demanding details, promising help. They were silenced when the phone was crushed beneath one of the Palomino's souls. And then, as if nothing had happened at all, the mare clasped her hands together and spun adroitly upon the foot, still standing upon the destroyed phone, turning to address her guest. Now, shall we continue? As odd a thing as it was to say, Lady Revere was most definitely far more lovely as a corpse. The doe didn't move when seated at the table anymore, and that most certainly counted for something. Then there was the way her blood continued to drip and roll in crimson rivulets from the hole in her forehead. It matched the Cabernet just as well as Eleanor knew it would. I know exactly what will cheer us all up. She beamed, taking hold of the delicate handle to a silver-top platter lid. Dessert! The dome was removed with a gallant flourish, revealing a tiramisu that looked so delightful that it brought fresh tears to Abigail's eyes and truly astonished Mr. Revere, who audibly gasped at the sight. If I had to guess, it's the lady fingers that make tiramisu such a darling dessert. Eleanor beamed down at her handiwork. Unfortunately, I hadn't the time to make it out of sponge cake, so I had to improvise a bit. But I did promise that Lady Merriweather would be joining us for dinner after all. <laughs> she couldn't help but giggle in churlish glee as all eyes fell on the cake, taking in its delectable beauty, complete with the dark fingers lining its edges. Well... She shrugged. At least part of her will. The sounds of sirens became undeniable around the same time that bright blue and red flashes of light shone pierced through the cold pane windows and reflected off the well-manicured nails at the end of each of the cake's decorative fingertips. And with that, we've reached the end of... The Perfect Moment by Kalima. We sincerely hope that you've enjoyed this spooky tale along with our previous Halloween episode. I know these episodes were a little unconventional compared to our regularly scheduled programming. However, sometimes it's good to step outside of our comfort zones and experience a wider breadth of stories. And, as always, good night, and come again.